one. Good morning and welcome everybody to a Yarn Live. This is a special session with two guests you'll, re you'll see there. So we've got uh, Neil Colbert from Link and also uh, Brian Graham from Timberlands. So today we're going to hear some amazing stories around uh, digital twins, a subject that's really burst onto the scene uh, recently and uh, and strongly and for good reason. We'll find out that uh, found out about that in a minute. First of all, we'd like these two gentlemen to introduce themselves as always, so we can meet the person a little bit. So how about we uh, start with yourself, Brian, as you're immediately on my uh, my left or right, whichever way you're looking at the screen. Oh, perfect. Uh, thank you, Ryan. Uh, so yes, my name is Brian Graham. Um, I'm the RCT and Digital Manager for Timberlands. Uh, Timberlands is a forest management company in the central North Island. Uh, we manage the Kaingaroa Forest. Um, we're one of the largest uh, producers of timber in New Zealand. Um, and I've been with this company about two and a half, half years now and work uh, managing the RCT team, as well as setting the digital strategy uh, for the business and just looking at how we will use and implement technology uh, moving forward. So that's me. Excellent. Thank you very much. Nice to have a bit of a rundown of yourself and Timberlands. And uh, now, uh, Neil Colbert, if you could give us a rundown on yourself as well. Sure. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, Brian. Great to be here. Uh, Neil Calvert, I'm the Chief Exec and Co-Founder of Link, um, small business based in Wellington. We've been operating for five years. Uh, as you're going to find out, we're into modeling the digital twin of the organization. So we help organizations uh, understand the impact change is going to have before they commit to making that change. Um, and we'll, we'll learn more as we go. Excellent. And um, what, would a, what would a technically driven show be without um, a technical hitch? You'll notice below we've got our old banner back, the Yarn Live. Normally we would have a beautiful banner there uh, introducing the session, um, which is... I think I very cutely called it um, seeing the forest for the digital twins, you know, seeing the forest for the trees and a reference of um, finding out about uh, how digital twins can really help with optimization and efficiency and decision making. Um, so, of course, with the if the correct banner was there, then you would know that this session is um, organized by Neil Colbert from Link. And we'll hear a little bit more about uh, that uh, as we go. And we're going to hear the context of digital twins through the story of Timberlands, which is where Brian fits into the picture. So, um, gentlemen, if we could give everybody, and I think this will start with yourself, Neil, um, if we could give everybody a bit of an overview of digital twins, what they can do, why they're important, and um, how they've sort of skyrocketed into um, the stratosphere at the moment. Yeah, sure. It's because it is right. It's one of those um, buzzwords that I think we're hearing a lot of now. But the reality is they've been around for a very long time. Um, so it goes right back to the space program and NASA, really, where NASA realized um, it's pretty impossible to have people with the asset when it's in space. You know, you can't just go and fix things. And so the, the way of resolving that problem was to load the physical asset with sensors and provide the data back to the, a, a model, a digital model, um, which was able to respond to the environment. So that concept has been around for a very long time since you know, we started um, sending vehicles into space. Obviously, as compute power has increased, the application grows. Um, so most people will be familiar with Digital Twin from a large engineering asset perspective, you know, models of wind turbines and jet engines and big um, infrastructure plant, that kind of thing. And, and so that's taken um, from the CAD kind of space 
again, putting sensors on the physical asset, driving data to the model and seeing how the model is influenced. Um, and, and really, we're just seeing an explosion of that. So organizations like the Digital Twin Consortium in, in the US appeared during lockdown. Um, we've got New Zealand and Australia Digital Twin Summit, um, looking at it from the perspective of smart cities. But we're, we're now seeing that principle applied to um, infrastructure, so roads and utility networks. Um, into buildings, kind of distinct from building information modeling, which is how you might construct and then run the asset of a building, but the function of a building and how people live within it and, and work within it. And that obviously connects to the digital twin of the organization, which is where we feature about what does the organization do in order to deliver value. But we, we're seeing, so we're seeing twins of people, you know, um, it, it's incredible. And the the opportunity is, how do you um, build integration between these models? So not have a twin and think we have to model everything as one um, replica, but to say, here's, here's a digital twin for a specific purpose, but I want to integrate it to this other twin, which has this different perspective. Um, and in that way, you could see how digital twin of organization connects to the digital twin of the building, connects to the building information model, connects to the digital twin of the city from a smart city perspective. And it really is about how do we collect and gather that that knowledge to help us with decision making. Um, twin, twins have five key principles that we have to keep in mind. There's a visualization perspective, which could be a fancy 3D model, but as you know, from our perspective, it's more about the process organizations undertake to deliver value. Um, but then there's some analytics associated with that, which has a data requirement, obviously. There is the simulation aspect. So what if, what if I change something? What if something happens? Um, there is a connectivity to the physical asset. So you have to connect the model to the actual thing that exists. Um, and then there's integration and that's integration with other systems, with other twins. So there is a, the, the concept around what a twin is, is certainly becoming more solid. Um, those definitions are appearing and that's just good. over the next five, 10 years, you know, I, I think, based on what we're able to do today, we're just going to see this explode, for sure. So let me jump in there, because I think you've gone in a great amount of detail. And for those that are um, new to this picture, you'll be setting off all these questions. Uh, for those that are in this picture, you'll be getting a lot of nods out there. And um, yeah, the way I'll just quickly wrap it up um, is that uh, there's, in my mind, there are essentially two twins. Uh, one is the 3D visual representation, um, which comes from the construction side of things. And then uh, as these have grown out of the NASA program um, and you know, covered things from the product to buildings, um, but the other side of it is the data driven. So with the uh, growth of IoT, 5G, and the fact that we have data now, you can sort of separate that into two as well, which is the data from the IoT devices um, or the data that you already had in your business anyway, but bringing Absolutely. it together in a stream. So it goes back to the early days of ERP systems and the discovery that most often companies had no idea of their full end-to-end process, just what this person did and passed it on to the next person. So if you imagine now we have data the whole way through that process chain and just to cap it off uh, with COVID and supply chains being affected, not having products uh, arriving to sell or not having the raw products arriving to build the products that you're going to sell or, or move on. This is what caused digital twins from the, I guess, the data perspective versus the visualization perspective to explode because people needed to know when they were going to get their timber um, so that they could uh, build their furniture, their um, 
framing for their houses, et cetera, and uh, then sell it on to the next placemakers, Bunnings, et cetera, onto the builder, onto the homeowner, or whatever the case might be. So that, a very uh, nice rounded picture of digital twins for everybody. Um, Brian, if I could introduce you, or invite you to give us a overview of the challenge that you face at Timberlands that you'll then go on to explain being addressed by digital twins. Sure, um, thank you. Look, I mean, uh, as Neil said, digital twins have been around for a while. So forestry first started this with this concept back in about the 70s. Um, you know, for us, we deal with a large area. So Kangaroo stretches from Rotorua to Topol, um, you know, 200,000 hectares. It's very difficult to be able to collect information across that entire area. Um, and that's on top of, you know, the, the six about 600 trucks that we do today and the trains that we send. So gathering that information and pulling it together has been a challenge for a long time. And and as I said, back in the 70s, they started using uh, satellite information. So essentially, they, they started to use satellite imagery and um, orthophotography and in more recent years, LIDAR, to be able to build up an estate model. And so forestry has used estate models for quite a long time. And that, that basically gives you the the value of the estate today um, and then the value of that all the way into the future. So essentially, you know what your asset is worth. Now, the digital twin idea is kind of, it starts at a very loose concept. So you kind of know basically or roughly what it's worth, but what's changed over the last probably decade in particular is the accuracy of being able to do that. So as you mentioned, as new technologies come on, as more data has been available, as more compute power has come on board, it's allowed us to start to manage that asset at a, at a far more um, higher precision. Um, and so the digital twin concept basically allows us to then run scenarios and analysis and say, well, look, if we change this element, what does that do for the value of the asset over time? And then what we've started to do in recent times is then go, well, again, because we're starting to collect more data through our, our information system, so whether that's from trucks or whether that's from harvester heads, Suddenly, we can start and look at how can we how can we optimize and automate and, and look for efficiencies in the processes within the day to day. So, how can I move a log more successfully through the chain? You know, I think um, you were talking about customers. Seventy percent of our logs go to local customers. How can we engage more with them to make sure that the right log is going to the right place? Um, how can we how can we essentially get the, the efficiency and the most value for what we're, we're, we're producing? And so where we, we started to work with Neil was something simple as we went, well, look, we, we have this fleet of vehicles that we manage um, and we have some internal processes, but we, we believe that there are some efficiencies that we could have internally. So um, we were really looking for a way to, to model not just a physical asset, but a process, if that makes sense, and an information system. Um, because there's a lot, lot of data, you know, not a lot of value in data, and we, we talk about digital twins in terms of the, the physical sometimes, but we don't always think about it in terms of, of our, our, our processes and, and the data that we're collecting. And so we were really looking for the opportunity to be able to to map out a specific process to see what the different pieces of that were, um, and then to be able to model that um, in its current state, but also in a future state and go, look, if I change these things, what would the impact be? What would the impact be on the time spent? Uh, what would the cost be? What would the value add be? Um, and so we were starting to be able to do that with, with processes, not just with an asset, if that makes sense. Oh, wow. 
So, Neil, could I invite you to uh, jump in and, and add to the uh, overview that we've got and, and give a bit of a um, what Link has done flavour to the picture? And if I could encourage some use of some practical examples. Now, I know we, we can't give away you know, any business secrets or um, whatnot, but if you can maybe somehow give some practical examples um, to give context, that would be, that'd be great. Thanks. Yeah, sure. And then Brian will come in and talk about specifically, I think, what he's managed to do around the fleet management side of things in, in Timberland. So the the value that Link offers when you think about the process an organization undertakes to deliver value, you know, the, the only reason for doing work is to create something that is useful to the business. And so the models that Link generates, the digital twin from a current state perspective is, this is how my business operates today in order to achieve these outcomes. So we have a very structured language which allows you quickly to understand the actions that take place. So any work that happens, any process that's undertaken, the content that's produced as a result of the action. And this is the the really, I think, um, somewhat unique thing about Link from a data and information perspective. We want to help organizations understand this thing happens. So a, a person comes onto the, my website and wants to register for an account. Um, the very nature of doing that work, the customer doing it on our website, creates a set of information which is valuable to the business. We know their name, we know their email address, anything else that we collect. And it's that content that enables the next piece of the puzzle, the next part of the process to take place. And so we, we follow this um, flow of information that is being interacted on by people. So the relationship people have with this content in order to say, I've, I've got this data, I do something with it, I create something else, I've got a validated account then I have to load it into the CRM and then I end up with this customer account. So you can really connect the source content that fuels the business with the outcome that is ultimately created by the people doing work and the tools they use. And the context that you get is, I, I have to work this way because of the content that I receive. And so we can very quickly examine visually and through the insights that the platform provides how long it takes for that work to be done, therefore how much it costs, because we understand the cost of people and systems. We've got a value lens, so we can say this asset I'm creating is super valuable to the organization, and if I didn't have it, this is the impact it would have to my business. If I didn't have access to customer account, all of these things would not work, therefore it has a value, and we can determine what that is through a number of characteristics of the value of information. And so all of that's brought together in the platform with a bunch of dashboards and insights that help effectively build a narrative that, that you can take to somebody and say, this is the current state of how we operate. These are the people involved. This is the work they're doing. These are the tools they're using. This is the employee experience. This is the customer experience that's generated as a result. These are the information assets that we rely on. These are the systems storing that content. This is where value is created inside the business. And once you understand that current state perspective, you can start to simulate change in the model by saying, well, what if in the future we have a portal that our customers register on and you pick they pick an address so we're not having to deal with addresses and that gets loaded straight into the CRM and as a result of that, we run a bunch of automatic processes to allocate them to an account manager or send them a marketing email and you can visually and through the analytics see the impact that change will have in the business. And at some point you go, well, I want to operate that way. And then you end up in the conversation about, right, I'm going to save this much time, this much money. Here's the impact on my technology, my tools, the impact on my people in terms of how they work, my data requirement. I might have a data gap. There might be some data I no longer need to manage. You get to see all of that. And then you can make a really 
good decision about that's something I want to achieve, and then you're in, into an implementation. So the, the platform effectively just accelerates that entire conversation. It can take months and months. You know, if you think of the typical process of going through, are we going to do this? Are we going to do this? What if it, it's it's long-winded, it's whiteboards, it's, you know, lots of emails to yourself with pictures of whiteboards. It's creating documentation that then needs to be reviewed. And we kind of smash all of that up into do it in the meeting in real time, get full engagement and accelerate that conversation. Oh, you're on mute, I think, Brian. I did put myself on mute. Um, I just had I just took with a little question um, because, you know, everyone's moving to Agile, not just software development, because we're just doing it and we're doing little increments faster and does it work or do we need to change it? So in this case, if, if it's a major thing, you can't really do it in little increments. Um, so this, I'm just trying to give people context. As I'm listening, I'm hearing a lot of information I understand, but I also hear a lot of information that might just sound like business talk. Um, so mm -hmm. what I want to do is, bring some real context to the picture for people um, in the sense of uh, having all of these uh, processes mapped, uh, the assets attached to the processes. And I'm just trying to think, you know, almost imagine, you know, like you used to see on the TV ads for the super, what, what, what we used to call the internet, the super information highway, and there'd be some stream of data flowing. Well, yeah, just, ima <laughs> just imagine, you know, all the little streams of data flowing out of a process, which is you know, the things happening in your business. So perhaps if we think of your example, Neil, and then come to you, Brian, and, and think of, you know, if you've got the, um, you know, the the maps of the forestry and you've got all your assets in there and you were to say, what if we took out all of the four-wheel drives or all the utes that are just being taxed? What would happen to our business then? And you go, well, the trees will still get cut down. The logging trucks can still take the logging, the, the, the stuff away what impact would happen? <coughs> pardon me. What impact would happen if we didn't have the utes? Assuming that utes are used for some people to get from one site to another or something like that. But um, if we look at a practical example like that, uh, perhaps you've got a real one that you can share with us um, to give this picture a nice practical overlay. Yeah. Um, look, I can jump in there if you want me to. Um, Please, yeah, yeah. I think the. Yeah. So, look. I mean, I th think for me, it's it's actually at a at a finer level than that, Ryan. I think it's very easy to get caught into the digital twin as the whole business. Um, and for us, it it really it really doesn't work like that. It is about, as I said to you, it's about precision. Um, because oftentimes, if you try and map out something as big as that, as Neil says, it becomes bigger than Ben Hur, right? And, and so it's very difficult to get buy-in. It's very difficult to be able to actually make a decision because there are so many moving parts. And at the end of that, it's very difficult to attribute any major change to a specific thing that you're, you know, you, you tweak this, but actually the flow on is quite large. So so how we've approached it is we've taken it at a, at a smaller scale. So as I said, you know, we've spoken about the the fleet management for us. That is, that is actually a relatively small process in our business. We're not, we're not talking about our trucking fleet, we're talking about our internal vehicle fleet. And that was simply to say we had a, we had a bottleneck about how we manage that and people's time. And so, but at the same time, because it's a, you know, vehicles are always something that for, that for people can be quite personal. So you're wanting to be able to give evidence-based approach. And so what we were able to do is to say the first run through, which I think Neil took us through in, in four or five hours, is you just you just briefly take all the big components right you take like um you know 
person orders a vehicle, um, then you know someone places the order, someone collects the order, someone does the signage, someone puts the this equipment in the vehicle, and you just you just quickly put put that out into into the into the package, and you're saying, well, there's a paper document produced here, or there's an email produced here, or there's a an Excel spreadsheet or a database, and just very quickly you get an overall sense for what that takes, and then then you go into a little bit more detail, and you say, well, okay when someone is sending the information or, or need their vehicle serviced, that takes two minutes and there are 10 people in that chain. And then the invoices have to be signed and there are another 10 people in that chain just for argument's sake. And so what you start to do over time is you get a, you get a, you get a, a perspective on how much time and effort is going into that process. And what we did is we, as I said, with vehicle fleet is we went, well, let's map that entire thing out and look at how much time we spent on this. Um, and then, then look at the things that we can optimize and go, well, actually, if we, if we automated or outsourced or used a different process, maybe we can re remove, you know, for example, maybe we can remove the, the invoicing or we can do invoicing once a month or we can change that and, and then look and see, well, look, that saves us 10 or 20 hours a month. And maybe we do that across three people. And so what happens is that those incremental changes we then roll up to the business. So we've, we've done, you know, we do fleet over here and then we do our CapEx process. And then we look at, you know, we have a team that does data capture for, for um, author photography. So let's look at that process. And, and so over time, you've got these individual pieces in the business that you're making slow changes to, but you're starting to get momentum, both in terms of people understanding that it's okay to map out a process, like visibility on some of this is actually okay. It's not to replace your job. It's not to, to, to remove anything. It's just about making you more productive and efficient. And so you start to get the buy-in um, and then you also start to get momentum as a business to say, actually, there are things that we can look at. Um, and sometimes there's not much change. There've been a few processes where we've gone, actually, you know, we're not really going to change that. It's not worth the time and effort or, and some other things where we've gone, yes, we really should look at that. And, and over time that's starting to build a picture of the business. So just to, to kind of summarize that, I think it's important that you do, you do look at it at, at two scales that, that it's not just about the whole thing all at once. It's about individual pieces and processes and information systems. And then number two, it's about building the momentum of doing that and, and, and getting better at being able to map those things out, which doesn't take very long, and then also getting people to, to identify and, and, and be involved in that process. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll just let me just add a bit add a bit to that if you don't. Yeah, so I think it's a really, really important point. Um, the incremental change is absolutely the driver behind using the platform. Um, we see most organizations we work with, they people have an awareness of where challenges are inside the business. You know, they and it's never our, our, our organization's broken. It just might be, do you know what? The reporting on our invoicing and reconciliation against uh, accounts receivable every month is a nightmare. Um, it's full of paper. We've got this. We haven't got access to the to this platform for these users. Therefore, they have to create an Excel spreadsheet that they manage themselves so they, they can bring this stuff together. And when you when you model that and you go, well, do you realize you go to the business and say, just because someone has failed to grant the right access to this platform for this person so they can get this view of the organization, they're creating this Excel spreadsheet over here, which is populated by 10 people emailing them every month. They, they put it all there just so they can then generate this monthly report, which is reconciled against projects and spend and budget. 
And if you actually spent the time, which might be a 30 minute conversation to say, well, what access do you need and why? And those that the access was granted so they could generate a report that they could just click on. You would remove all of this work that goes on unnecessarily inside the organization. And the impact of that is across these resources, you're giving them an hour back every week. And that translates to 10 hours. And that 10 hours actually translates you know, to 100 hours a year. And that 100 hours a year is $45,000 of cost to the business of creating an Excel spreadsheet when there's an application sat, sat there that just for this reason isn't being utilized properly. And so it, it's about being able to spot those things. They become really tangible. The buy-in that you get, I, I mean, Brian's just expressed it. People begin to connect with the idea it's okay to question, are we doing are we doing this right and doing it the right way? Um, and so another outcome I've seen with my other customers is the people involved begin to think this way. And it's okay to stick our head up and go, hang on a second, why, why on earth are we saving that there and there? Why don't we just do it once and then give people access to that? And it, it, those small things are often the foundation to then say, well, now we've got this momentum going, we've got people thinking change is okay, we can start to address some of the bigger things, you know, and that's when you can build like visionary future states and start mapping progress to get there. So it, it's always super tangible, bite-sized chunks of change that ultimately drive this digital transformation journey that organizations are on. So, you know, and I that, hopefully that is, that's... A, that, is, that is beautiful. And I was just having a little chuckle. Sorry, Brian, I just had this in. I was just having a little chuckle. I'm working with another customer and I'm getting a login. So I have my own email for the customer. Um, it's a two-week process. <laughs> and I had no idea yeah. of the process. And then someone come at the end and went, oh, we can just put you on under this and you wouldn't have had to do this, 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 and this part of the process, which has to deal with HR and this part has to deal with tech and this part has to deal with that. And it's like, oh, so we could have done this in five minutes, not two weeks. Two weeks I haven't been able to communicate within the business. And it's a perfect example of if that process was nicely mapped out and someone said, this is what we're going to do. Well, this is what you'll do, Ryan, or how it's going to happen. And that other person saw it and went, no, no, we can just, we can circumnavigate that or we're going to do a different process. But there was no communication amongst the group of people or team, um, I guess you could say. Well, this is the way I'm paraphrasing it. But I can just see how, yeah, so much time can be saved. Um, and what a mm. yeah, beautiful example. So, oh, I think we, we, lost we just lost Neil for a minute. We'll, we'll come yeah. back. But you were just about uh, to share yourself. So I'll hand back to you, Brian, to add to the picture. Yeah, I think I think there are a few things there. I'm sure there are plenty of business analysts who are watching this going, oh, but it's just basic process mapping. And, you know, that's that's been around for ages. How does this relate to digital twins? Um, and I think what, what Neil mentioned there is evidence-based. You know, the, the thing about being able to put it into a digital system, because we often think of, of digital twins as being like a three-dimensional view or something in virtual reality or augmented reality. But essentially, it's just a digital copy of something that's that's real, right? And, and process mapping often has landed up being kind of a, a two-dimensional view of it. And what I mean by two-dimensional is like it's very linear and, and there's not a lot of information about it, whereas... With the, with the digital twin side, you're talking about putting in things like cost, um, value, um, and, and there's just a lot more information that's provided in, in particularly a, a system like Neil's got. And so it becomes evidence-based. So it means that someone can look at a process and you can move things around and adjust them within the system 
um, in real time. And you don't have to worry about, you know, remapping things and you don't have to worry about going back and, and it's all there for everyone to see. So it's kind of, it's the ability to see it in that space. And, and I think that's really the, the evolution from just simple process mapping into kind of the digital twin space. Cool. Well, um, we've got a question that's been sitting there. I'm just going to pop it up on screen. Um, it's one for you and give you a chance to look through it. Um, uh, our chat, which is in LinkedIn, not visible here on StreamYard, has been going nuts in the back end uh, with questions and, and aspects. So um, I'm just going to let you have a little read of that and I'm just going to check for anything else. But um, perhaps if we get you to answer Nicholas's question, if that's okay. Yeah, um, so thanks, Nicholas. Um, nice to see you watching this. I haven't seen you in a while. Um, it depends on what you mean by topological model, um, whether you're talking about kind of flow down or whether you're talking um, in terms of geospatial. Um, so I'm not entirely sure there. But but from a geospatial perspective, we haven't put anything into that. Um, in terms of, um, yeah, we, Timberlands has run their own models um, based out of custom-built stuff and, and work that we've done with Scion. Um, and yes, I'm not, not entirely sure how to answer that. I'm afraid, Ryan. Well, but, I'm thinking, um, just, um, just flick me a message on, on LinkedIn. Oh, and I yeah. can, um, I'm back and more. I can elaborate yeah. if you, can you hear me? Yeah, oh, go yeah, for sorry. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? I, my phone, I'm, I was connected to my phone. I ran out of data. Can you believe it? I mean, I've, everything that happened oh, wow. ridiculous. So anyway, um, before. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think what, um, Nick, Nicholas is asking is, so there is a, there is a, there is a structure to the link model and that structure is defined. So when you're building the digital twin, um, you don't have any flexibility around the, uh, the structured language that forms the digital twin. Um, it's, it's very prescribed. It basically says actions create information, information enables actions, actions create information, people perform actions, people use a system to perform an action and a system can automate an action and that's it. So the, the structure is there. And the reason there is structure is because then you can drive insight from, from that structure. What organizations then do is they apply their own language to that structure. So Brian will start describing his assets, his information assets, his people, his systems, describing his actions over the top of that structured model. And that structure then allows us to say, okay, well, give me a view based on this role I've captured in my model. Give me a view based on this system I've captured in my model. Um, so the, the topology of the digital twin is fixed, but it becomes entirely flexible based on your own um, vocabulary, your, your own um, uh, description of things that you, that you put into the model. So um, there is the flexibility to extend the metadata that you capture, but there isn't the flexibility of saying, oh, I, I want a different relationship because the twin requires us to have the fixed relationship between those assets. So hopefully that, that helps. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a really good demo. Thank you very much, both of you. But a teamwork there, I like it. So um, as we're sort of coming up to a close, um, I'd like you to start thinking about a bit of an overview as a, as a closing remark. Um, I just wanted to um, sort of kick off with my own as a bit of a you know the closing setting of the scene is that um today we've heard about digital twins um both from neil calvert and link uh who provide the services um and also from brian graham from timberlands who are consuming the services and a real contextual example with uh, timberlands uh, especially with fleet management and the, the takeaways i picked up were um to start with a small 
bite-sized chunks because if you try to turn everything in the business, every process, every every data feed into this one big massive digital twin, it becomes unruly and you can't actually get the benefit out of it. But by starting small, we saw some examples um, how we can actually win back 20 to you know maybe 20 hours a week or 20 hours a month uh, per employee um, times 10 employees by changing a process. Uh, done by putting it out, putting it together in a visual representation of how everything works and therefore you can make those decisions. If we do this, this is the simulation side of it, if we do this, it will have this impact. The team can all agree and as they go through that process, they learn that this transparency of process and how it works is actually really advantageous and it removes our frustrations because when you're at the coalface and you've got these frustrations, there's an example about a, a spreadsheet being used instead of the system being used. When people start creating their own systems because the the existing system doesn't work that's when you start getting chaos and things going left right and center so by bringing the team together and letting them see the benefit then they start picking up the ball and running with it themselves and looking at what else can we do how else can we make this work and again it uh, just drives operational efficiency throughout the business so with that i think if we start with you brian and finish off with you neil if you could give us a bit of a an, an overview for today and um Give people a, you know, a bit of a rundown of what you shared about how Timberlands uses digital twins and the value you get from them. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. Um, and again, thank you for the opportunity to speak today. I I think you've summarized it quite well. I think digital twin is something that can be a buzzword, um, but I think we'll see a lot of value from um, just, you know, as I said, the precision of being able to do that. Um, I think if I was chatting to people who, who were kind of starting down this journey, as, as you said, I would start small um, and just recognize that this is something that I think is going to become increasingly important over time. People want ev- evidence-based decision-making. They want to get away from this person said that or this is how it's always been done. They want to be able to see something in front of them that allows them to make a change or to make a decision. And cost-saving might be the way to start with that, but ultimately it'll become down to, it'll evolve into products and markets and and being able to visualize that with with a lot more efficiency and, and I think power of the tools, but certainly something that we're excited to to be involved in. As I said, it's evolving for us and um, something that we're going to spend a lot of time with in, in the future. Thank you very much. And Neil? Uh, I, I, I think just in general, Digital Twin, and specifically for me, Digital Twin of the organization finally gives organizations an opportunity to break away from, but we've always done it this way, um, have some evidence to support change decisions, articulate that really clearly and effectively to decision makers. So a decision maker no longer ends up with that decision paralysis because they don't know or they've got too much information or it's in the wrong format for them. Um, so this approach is it's super fast, it's nimble, it's agile with a small A, um, and it's really just about driving momentum behind change. And, you know, I, I think, as Brian has said, it, it will continue to grow as a capability. So Digital Twins, where it's at, and if you're not into it, you you should be. Absolutely. And, um, you know, while we had the little challenge with uh, the, the banner, um, my, my other Mac dying, um, your data running out. Um, the chat in the back end has been going nuts. And um, Carolyn, who has come on as events manager um, with AFQY, has been managing it all, having never 
been given any training, but um, has been solving it all on the back end. And I think um, it's probably fair to say that we need your help, Neil, to get all of my processes down so that Carolyn can actually enhance them herself, <laughs> which she's been doing the back end. Um, but then. Fantastic session, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been great to get uh, the, the story of Digital Twins out there. As I say, I've um, been working across them myself uh, from a marketing perspective for the last couple of years. And uh, for me, just the extra context, it started with the 3D um, digital modeling for vertical uh, construction, yeah, that's buildings, uh, and has then moved into the, I guess, the, the process, IoT, data, supply chain area. Uh, which, of course, was accelerated by COVID, um, breaking a lot of supply chains and affecting a lot of businesses. You know, there's one, I, I'm living in West Auckland, so just not far from here was the big Nido shopping centre launched just before COVID. Uh, they went out of business because they couldn't get any stock to sell. Um, so that's a, a sad story, but yeah. an example of supply chain being affected. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I'd like to say thank you very much for all the information you shared um, and uh, some really interesting stuff around you know, Timberlands having used these since the 70s, the evolution. Um, so lots of great takeaways. My last little comment is I will go through this again later today and add timestamps. Um, so you'll see comments pop up with timestamps and I'll tag each of you in. So keep an eye on your LinkedIn, maybe tonight before bed, um, go and pop a reply into each one of those comments so that um, people have got, if I, if I put the... Um, uh, it will draw attention to an area. You can actually add the uh, the relevant information, and, and people can get get the uh, examples that they need to um, get involved. So, with that, gentlemen, thank you very much. Great session. Mm. Perfect. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. And Thanks, of course, Ryan. if you need Thanks, any help um, with right. this, then do get in touch with uh, Neil Calvert, who is. This man, in case you were wondering, just popped him on solo layout. So thank you very much, Neil and Link, uh, for your time. And um, then also uh, Brian Graham from Timberlands, who's one of Neil's clients, and gave us some contextual examples. With that, everybody, we'll say kakitiano and let you get back to work. Um, if you have any questions, of course, feel free to follow up with uh, with Neil and um, get all your digital twin and, and operation efficiencies um, get started today. You're right.